Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Happy to be joined today by Tina Rossler Kerwin and Jamie Lee McIntosh, who are the hair and makeup team behind the new Netflix biopic, Blonde, about the life and legacy of Marilyn Monroe, directed by Andrew Dominic, starring Anna de Armas as the titular character. Um, Tina's past work includes bunch of the Paul Thomas Anderson films, such as Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love, as well as comedies like Dirty Grandpa, um, Spanglish, um, along with more recent films this year, like Top Gun Maverick, The Gray Man, and many more. Jamie's past work includes films such as Avatar, Hobbit, Blade Runner, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Us, and this year with The Gray Man. And don't worry, darling, I'm so happy to be joined by both of them today. Tina, Jamie, thanks for coming on. Hello. Um, So I'd love to start at the beginning here. How did um, you each get involved with the project? And talk about those initial conversations with um, Andrew that made you feel that you were in um, safe hands with designing his vision for this story. Tina, if you uh, want to go first. Yeah. I'll let Jamie go first because she okay. started first. Okay. <laughs> um, I was brought on, it was a recommendation through a makeup artist that Andrew had worked with um, a couple of times and um, went in, interviewed with him. He showed me crazy amounts of images and references and tests that they'd done with Anna um, quite a long time before. Um and he pretty much just kind of midway through just stops and looks at me and he's just like, so do you think you can do Marilyn here or what? And I was like, um, yeah, I, I think so. I'm going to try. <laughs> um, it turns out I got the job. So my answer mustn't have been too, <laughs> too bad. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, once Tina came on, we um, just started trying to work everything out, really. But I'll let Tina talk about how she came onto the project. Came on um, through Scott Robertson, who was a um, producer and first AD for Blonde. And I had recently worked with him on Top Gun and we had a really good working relationship. So he calls me and just asks me and he said, you know, I have this movie, but I can't tell you anything about it. I said, "Uh, "Okay." And so I got a script. I got a call and I went in to see um, to see Andrew. And and then like Jamie Lee, just a staggering number of images were all over the walls and we knew we were in for a a ride pretty quickly. So, and then shortly after that, Jamie Lee and I met, we had never worked together before. And, um, and we just started troubleshooting everything that, that uh, we needed to do. And, and because Jamie Lee and Andrew had already sort of, you know, figured some things out, through the process, you know, before I got there, they realized that um, Anna's hair, Anna's dark hair would show through the blonde wigs. And so that's when we realized we needed prosthetic pieces to cover her hairline. And um, so we, we did a few tests. We just sort of, you know, it was obvious. It just needed to be proven, you know, that that was the way to do it. And so the prosthetic pieces gave Jamie Lee a nice, clean, you know, smooth surface. It was, um, it's more transparent looking 
than um, a bald cap. Um, and uh, it would hold up to wig changes during the day. Um, and many days we had wig changes. We'd start with one look and then we'd, you know, everything would change and would go to something else. So, so that's kind of where I started. Yeah. And, and I think I read somewhere that it was silicon caps that you used instead of bald caps because it allowed for that, as you said, like the transparency and it was more durable, I guess, in that regard. Yeah, it's not a it's not a cap. It's actually three pieces. And so there's one on each side of her head. Um, and and you, you apply them, you know, attaching it to her skin and then attaching it to Jamie Lee's wig cap. And then the top goes and and so it covers the the, the top sort of you know, most of the top of her head all the way back. And then it's still, you know, breathable and more comfortable um, in, you know, for her because we were in the middle of summer. Um, and, um, and so this is just, a, um, it's a better surface because it holds up, but it's also more comfortable um, temperature wise because, you know, you're not covering the whole head. So, yeah. Um, you know, before the film even came out, I think it was pretty widely known how this wasn't going to be uh, um entirely true historical account of Marilyn's life that there was going to be some um, editorializing on the part of Andrew and some drifting from reality from time to time, to say the least. Um, I know that there's obviously a bunch of photographic and video research that you both were able to um, get. And I'd love for you each to talk about maybe what you were able to access that isn't otherwise publicly available from perhaps Marilyn's estate or otherwise, some stuff that's sort of um, under wraps. But um, that aside, could you talk about what isn't like entirely true? What does come from Andrew's, um, you know, creative vision that is from the world of fiction, perhaps, which I assume probably made relying on Andrew all the more critical in those moments in the story that you can't just go to uh, real life accounts for? Yeah, I think, well, it is based on a fictitious book. So um, that's where Andrew got his foundation from. Um, Tina may be able to speak more on this, but I have no idea what's fact and fiction in the film. Um, I looked at it as a fictitious piece of art. <laughs> um, so I don't, I do, you know, I know that we recreated films that she was in and this and that and I do know that you know obviously some of it is fact but and she existed um but I certainly did not take any time to try and figure out what was what um for me that was kind of dangerous territory and I think that's maybe what's happening with viewers a little bit as well trying to figure out what's <laughs> and get angry about what's fact and what's fiction um so I was just mainly concentrating on the script that Andrew had provided me with, which I was so blown away with um, and drawn to because it was different and had a darkness and a realness to it and it was confronting and that was all really awesome. Um, and then he just had such an incredibly clear vision on how he wanted to see things and what he wanted to see. So because he'd been working on it for the last like 10, 11 years, um, his vision was incredibly clear. So for someone in my position, having a director that has such a clear vision was incredibly helpful. So he was just able to steer us in absolute 
directions on what to concentrate on and kind of what to just not worry ourselves with because um, obviously there's a lot that you could dive into um, and I think probably Tina and I did a little bit kind of go off <laughs> go off the beaten track just because we were just Marilyn everything all the time so you can't help but start looking at trying to find everything you can. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one thing that people, you know, far too many people don't realize is that it's, this is not a biopic. 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 It is based <laughs> on Blonde, the book, you know, Joyce Carol Oates' book. And so a lot of these um, uh, fabrications uh, were, were not Andrews. They were Joyce Carol Oates. And so the way it's sort of structured is like, this is true and this is true. And then sort of all of this is could have what happened in between. And so, um, and I think some people got upset because they're like, why do you make stuff up? And I'm like, well, it's not about, it's not a biopic. So, you know, I can understand it on some level, but at the same time, you know, for us, for makeup and hair, even though it's not, not a biopic, we were matching to real people. And, and, you know, the, the list of people as well as the list of images was pretty extensive. Um, and so we went to reference books and we went to websites and we went to films and we went to any and every source we could possibly get our hands on. And, and because we had such a tight schedule, we honestly didn't have a, a lot of time to sort of delve into, you know, what is this and what is that? And what does that mean? What is, we just like, we have to do this many looks really quickly. And so our research and our work was, was almost completely related to what we had to translate and what we had to recreate um, and none of the other stuff. Um, the script drew us both in because it's a very, very different Marilyn Monroe story. Um, which is great because it's showing, you know, um, the struggles of, of what a person could go through um, and not just all the pretty glamorous, beautiful things. And it so it makes it her have or anyone's story have be more interesting when they can show the light and the dark sides. But for us, we were so under the pressure to um, to to get through so many looks. It's just not where our focus was. You right. know, we. Andrew had a very clear vision, as Jamie Lee had said, and we were just doing everything we could to bring forward that vision. Mm-hmm. So, um, even though it's sad, I obviously don't want to give anything away, but it's certainly not all glamorous and glitzy in Hollywood. It is very brutal and emotional at times. Um, can you both share how your work contrasted in showing the, you know, front-facing professional? side of Marilyn versus the more personal side of, I guess, more, you know, Norma Jean than Marilyn, how um, your work was different in showing those two sides of her. Um, I think for me, because we started with just finding, trying to find a base Norma Jean, Norma Jean slash Marilyn, um, and we could glam that up to match those incredibly glamorous times for her. And then also pull back and go in the other direction of more, whether it's disheveled, distressed, or just simply at home and knowing that she's not going to be 
you know, needing to get all dolled up for any reason. Um, so I think once we, like for me, found that middle kind of everyday woman who was maybe out in the public, so still hair done but not as glam, then I could relax everything the other way, which for me was, I mean, the glam was fun, of course. I mean, who doesn't want to recreate iconic Marilyn hairdos? I mean, far out. Um, <laughs> but then being able to go the other way and just have her really natural or disheveled was also exciting to me to be able to kind of show that side of the woman. So, yeah. And Tina? Um, it, was, it was a little bit trickier for me to pull back the makeup too much. Although there are scenes where she's fully glam and then some sort of where she's more neutral and, and, and um, not so done up. But if I pulled the makeup back too much, or especially around her eyes, um, she either looked too young or she looked too much like Anna. And so there's this really fine balance of, you know, how many lashes and how much I could pull back um, before I sort of made her not, the Maryland we were looking for. And Andrew said something early on, we were having conversations about how far we could go. He's, he's just said, you know, don't do it. I mean, we don't know where she's been. We don't know if she's going to work or coming from work. You know, we don't know what her day looks like. We, there's lots of pictures of Marilyn doing her makeup. So, you know, potentially she's getting up and doing this because this is comfortable and familiar and, and, um, even though she doesn't necessarily want to be Marilyn all the time, there is some comfort in, in, in that space. And um, so he just said, just don't, don't, don't make a drastic change any further than what we had done because then we sort of step out of Marilyn or our Norma Jean. Um, and she just looked too much younger or too much like Anna. And some of the ways, some, as the story went through some of the times that she was going to look less made up. She was older mm -hmm. in, the, in the movie. And so the, it was just sort of a weird balance. So I, I, re I relied more on neutral, neutralizing the makeup a little bit. And then Jamie Lee's ability to sort of have a, a different, you know, more uh, disheveled hair or broken down hair that can represent for, for the, for the both of us. Could you each talk about designing the hair and makeup for this film, which is black and white primarily, as opposed to, you know, typical color. And if you have worked on black and white before, did you find yourself sort of utilizing and bringing back those same techniques to this project? I, I've worked on a black and white um, music video many, many years ago with Paul Thomas Anderson. And, um, and it was a, also period, um, but I, I think, because we were doing digital and because we were doing um, a very, um, you know, the cinematographer was so creative and so trying so hard to not only match um, techniques of, of the era, but also create some interesting, you know, looks too. It was kind of figuring it out as we went and, and black and white and color were different primarily for me in the lip colors. Some colors translated better um, in black and white um, than, and then they, were, they weren't quite right um, in color or, or you know, vice versa. Some colors would just fade out in, in black and white. So, um, so we just, we did, a, we did, well, we did one 
pre-production day where we did around 36 different looks that were sort of helped tell the story of her life. And, and I got a great chance to just try tons and tons of lipsticks that day. Um, and so we jumped into it with that, you know, under our belt, it ended up being like a crash course. So, right. Yeah. And I didn't, um, yes, sorry. I didn't, (laughs) I didn't really have a luxury to be able to go have a different wig for color or black and white. And, um, I don't think we always knew when it was going to be color or black and white. So there was also that I pretty much just had to roll with however it just getting the color and everything right for color and um, crossing fingers that that translated over to black and white in a way that was um, not too crazy. And I think it was, it would go well. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I certainly wouldn't have been able to be changing wigs depending on whether we were color or black and white. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but this film spans years going from, you know, uh, up until, you know, when she's in her thirties. Um, can you talk about how you made Anna look differently later in life, say, you know, in her thirties in the sixties, as opposed to, you know, during the fifties when she was in her earlier twenties? Um, I think for me, that was, uh, reasonably simple. I just, we changed into, um, her kind of true platinum hair, um, went as white as white can be with her hair. Um, and that was just going off reference pictures that we had found and, um, knowing that we were going to be recreating, um, it's some like a hot, right? <laughs> I keep getting that film title wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, some like it hot and yeah. just recreating that. So um, for me, it was just a, a different wig. Um, but I think Tina had a bit more to do than, yeah. than I. Well, when um, when we were doing Norma Jean, initially we started her, uh, Jamie Lee had put on this dark wig. And then she, and then so her face at that time, she, she didn't have her signature Marilyn look. So she didn't have her mole. She was much younger. So we're, I, I contoured her face in a different way. Her lashes were done in a different way. And then we just kind of, as we went through her life, we just sort of switched all those things up. And then at the very end, she has actually old age effects on, I've, re, you know, re, reduced, removed the reflective quality, you know, foundation and the lashes were adjusted and the contour was adjusted to sort of give just a very slight aging effect, not something significant because, you know, it's still on and it still has to work on her face. But just after the aging effect and pulling back the reflective quality, then changing the contours, we, and then getting this, you know, platinum wig, we got to a place that was, you know, still believable. I mean, she's only in her thirties, so she's not like she's that old, but we started her really young, you know, um, in her teens. So, um, so that's basically, that's basically how we did it. I did have one last um, question, which is you all are continuing to go with upcoming projects. I know Tina, you have an upcoming Russo brothers TV series, Citadel coming out on Amazon prime starring Priyanka Chopra, Jonas, Stanley Tucci, Richard Madden, the list goes on. Um, could you share a little bit about what we have to expect from your work in that upcoming project? Well, I did um, Priyanka for for that, and um, um, you know, I, I'm I'm 
Priyanka is a force to be reckoned with. No way around it. She is, you know, um, a force to be reckoned with. She she works so hard, um, but she's always in a good mood and she's so incredibly generous. But this character um, is, um, there's multiple layers of this character without giving too much away. And, um, and just when you think you know what you is going on, you find out more. Um, so this is a beginning of a very, um, big um, project. So can't say too much more than that, <laughs> but um, you know, Priyanka is incredible. Um, and I, um, I hope I get the chance to work with her again. So. And Jamie Lee, I know soon we're going to see your work in an upcoming project. That's really, I, I feel like you, it's probably another lifetime ago. It feels like it's been in the works for a while, but next goal wins. We should be seeing next year, along with obviously another anticipated film this holiday season with Babylon. Can you share um, what it was like to work on those two projects and what we have to expect? Yeah. Um, so I went from blonde onto next goal wins. So I went from <laughs> Marilyn and that glam to a bunch of <laughs> American Samoan <laughs> soccer players. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, we shot in Hawaii. Um, I was able to finally work with um, Taika Waititi, which was incredible because, of course, he's from Aotearoa, as am I. And that was fun. I had a lot of fun. Um, Hawaii is hot, though, man, even in the winter. So I don't know if I'd want to work there in the summer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Babylon. Yeah, I just urge everybody to see that on the big screen because it's going to be incredible viewing yeah and it was so much fun damien chazelle is he's so young and he's just so good like he's a yeah he's a true director he, he he's a filmmaker that guy it's amazing right well um yeah i was go going um, on to um to ballerina with um anna um um in a couple of weeks we we go off so um we're starting another one nice <laughs> and this will be your third project with the gray man as well that you've um, um, four. There's, oh. um, deep water. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So. Well, um, I know you're both Emmy nominees, Jamie Lee. I think you just received your, um, first one this year, if I'm not mistaken, but hopefully blonde will, uh, make you both Oscar nominees with your just unbelievable <laughs> work in this film, crossing fingers <laughs> for that one. Thank you. Um, thank you thank both you. so much for your time. Have a great rest of your day. Thank awesome. you so much. You Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.